Welcome back to the Junkie Sports Podcast today. So today we are going to do our little recap of the NBA draft, the 2020 NBA draft, and uh, sort of do our winners and losers from the draft, our takeaways from that sort of aspect. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Davis, kick us off. Who's your first winner of the NBA draft? I think this should come as no surprise to a lot of people, but I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. So not only were they able to scoop up um, Tyrese Maxey at the 21 slot, which is, you know, a lot of teams are probably surprised that he was still available. So I think they're getting good value in that pick, but they were also heavily active on uh, some big trades on draft night that I think will pay dividends down the line. And, you know, I think this is saying a lot for Daryl Morey and what he's able to do um, immediately as, you know, the GM um, up there in Philadelphia. But, I mean, you know, being able to unload uh, Al Horford's contract to something they've been looking to do um, for the offseason, they were able to successfully do that on draft night. And they traded the, uh, what was it? The 20, they traded one of their picks um, and Josh Richardson and got an elite shooter and Seth Curry to, you know, space around and help open up the floor for them. And they also brought in, um, who was it? Isaiah Joe at the 49th pick, which he was another guy that I thought, um, could have gone a lot higher, but he's another elite shooter that they brought in him. And then they brought in Paul Reed as well. And so I think when you look at it from an overall standpoint, you know, yeah, they didn't have, you know, an outstanding night getting value from each of their picks, but I think what they were able to do with their trades to kind of help, you know, remodel their, um, their franchise going forward, getting rid of Al Horford, getting more shooters to kind of space the floor around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I think overall um, we're going to be able to look back on this draft night and see them as a clear winner. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think uh, Daryl Morey just, I think everyone was sort of expecting him to begin making these moves and draft night sort of when he started winning and started just cranking out these trades. And I agree. I think the Seth Curry pickup is going to be, immensely huge for the 76ers and really helped space the floor for them. Um, getting rid of that Al Horford contract, definitely a big deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do expect them to make some more moves uh, going in here in the next week or so, free agency starting up. Uh, I definitely see them kind of doing some more things to try and restructure that offense a little bit um, and allow uh, Doc Rivers to sort of create a game plan going forward to kind of put them in contention for uh, a chip next year. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and go and do my uh, my first winner of the NBA draft, and that is the Detroit Pistons. I yeah. thought they had just an absolutely incredible draft night. Um, picking up Killian Hayes at pick seven, um, I think that was just a great pickup for them. I, I'm not crazy high on him, but I think where they got him and what their needs are, I think that's a good pick for them. Um, another really big one I want to talk about is getting Sadiq Bay at 19. Um, that, to me, that that was an unbelievable like spot to get him at. Um, I know a lot of people had him going just like right after the lottery, 
Um, and so kind of getting them a little bit past that, I think that's just a good pickup, especially because I had other teams kind of moving up and getting them. Um, so I really like that. And I think also they had that uh, draft night trade of get rid of, getting rid of uh, Luke Kennard, um, who I like, but I, I do agree he's not necessarily fitting the timeline of that team and getting some picks in return um, to sort of help them hit that reset button, I think is a, a really good move on their end. Um, and moving forward and kind of restructuring their team around uh, Killian Hayes going forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, and one of our previous series, the Panicker Persist series, um, you know, the Detroit Pistons are a team that we, we've been kind of, you know, urging to hit that all in on the reset. And, you know, that's for a lot of reasons. But, um, you know, they definitely got closer to doing that here tonight or here on the draft night. And I think having a guy like um, Killian Hayes is able to be a, um, you know, a franchise cornerstone potentially of this team down the line, you know, and pair him along potentially Christian Wood if they're able to re-sign him or, you know, Seku Dumboya and, you know, some of these other picks and moves that they're making. I think, you know, overall, I agree they had a very good draft night. Awesome. Why don't you go ahead and give us your, uh, your first loser of the draft? So my first loser of the draft are the Golden State Warriors. And this is not necessarily for draft reasons, but I want to talk about it anyway. So Clay Thompson, uh, the night before the draft, everyone heard that, you know, that the Warriors were, you know, really worried potentially about um, his left, his lower left leg. Um, and he was scheduled to get an MRI the next day. And so everyone's thinking, okay, man, is this an Achilles? Is this worse? Let's, let's wait and see what the results of the MRI are before we freak out. And, you know, an hour and a half, two hours before the draft starts, we learned that Clay Thompson has torn his Achilles and will be out for the season, which is a huge L. Yes, it's you know, brutal. It's not, it is brutal. For it the is Warriors. not necessarily uh, draft specific related, but I can't even imagine the conversations that started happening around that draft room. Oh, do we now pick up Lamelo Ball and since he's available at two? And you know, we, we kind of need another guard alongside uh, Steph now that uh, Clay is injured. But you know, they still opted to go with James Wiseman, which. You know, the, the waters on James Wiseman are still pretty untested. And so he's someone that we're going to just have to wait and see how he uh, translates his game into the NBA. Could be a potential good um, draft pick for him. And I think it is. But still, overall, when you look at the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, losing Clay Thompson on draft night due to an injury is probably the biggest L potentially ever. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I mean, I just want to say – for sure. That's so heartbreaking for him. I mean, just missing the entire year to an ACL injury. Now he's out for a full another year. I mean, that's just absolutely brutal for Clay Thompson. Um, one of the better guys in the league, an absolute stud of a player. And that, that's just brutal to see. Um, I mean, draft specifically, I didn't think they had a, a terrible draft. I, I still, I think they were going to go with Wiseman. I mean, regardless, so I'm more glad than anything that they, uh, stayed the course and didn't freak out in regard with Clay's injury and sort of went with the guy that was highest on their draft board. And, and, and as you've talked about in previous episodes, you're really high on James Wiseman. So I think he'd be a good pickup to kind of play alongside uh, Steph Curry. In addition, they also got Nico Mannion, 
really late in the second round. I think that's good value. Um, we'll see. Is he going to be someone that develops into a point guard in the NBA consistently? But I think where they got him was just like a, a good value spot for what he was worth. A lot of drafts, mock drafts had him going late first round. So getting him late second, I think, is a little bit of better value. Um, but I don't know. I agree. I mean, they definitely did not win draft night just outside just because of Clay Thompson's injury. And I mean, without a doubt, their title hopes are out the window for next year. Um, yeah. Also, I don't know if you saw, but they also traded for Kelly Oubre Jr. I think it was the day after draft night. But uh, they made that trade, which I don't love because I looked at the numbers and it bringing in Kelly Oubre's contract uh, cost them like $68 million in regards of paying Kelly Oubre and the money they'll have to pay in luxury tax, which to me just doesn't make sense why you'd bring in a player like that because uh, you're not winning a title next year with Andrew Wiggins, Steph, Kelly Oubre Jr., Draymond and James Wiseman like that it's there's so many other teams out there that are just a little bit better constructed and the way like the Warriors play offense that just I don't know that just doesn't make sense to me I mean Andrew Wiggins isn't a great shooter Draymond is a terrible shooter James Wiseman's not the best shooter uh Kelly Oubre Jr. is not the best shooter I mean it's a lot of there's a lot of more inside people and then you have Steph Curry the best shooter of all time I just think uh they're gonna have a really really hard time especially Steve Kerr kind of figuring out a new offense, a new offensive scheme to sort of make the Warriors work. Uh, one question I do have for you is, I mean, do you think the Warriors make the playoffs next year? I still do. I, I have faith in the Warriors, um, just in Steph Curry alone. And, you know, yes, you know, it's a big loss having, you know, Clay out and they're going to have to reorchestrate that offense. But I think that's something that Steve Kerr and, you know, the rest of that organization is fully capable of doing. Um, they're very competent. Um, and that being said, like, I don't know, that 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 team to me, you know, they have a lot of like mediocre pieces around um, Steph, like as it currently stands, like Andrew Wiggins, um, Kelly Oubre. I, they're not top tier players, you know, but they're still guys that are bucket getters. And, you know, Steph is a certified bucket getter. And then you put James Wiseman in that situation as well. And, you know, this is the first time that they, he, they've been able to have kind of a big that they can kind of work some schemes around and maybe have a more elite pick and roll package. Why not? Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I still don't hate this team because I mean, even their depth and, you know, what they're going to be able to bring off the bench is not going to be horrible because these are guys that were, you know, starting this season due to all the injuries. Um, so I, I don't know. I, especially not going down into Orlando, not making the bubble. They've had time to just continue working on their team chemistry. Um, yes, you know, Kelly Oubre is a new addition, but I don't know. I, I think this Warriors team is going to be coming in hot um, with a lot to prove, and I, I think they are fully capable of doing it. I think people forget how, how elite and game-changing Steph Curry is. That's true, and I agree. Like, I think people forget what Steph can do on the court, and, I mean – if he's healthy all next year, like, and they make the playoffs, he might be an MVP discussion next year. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, people forget this dude can average 30-plus points a game, no problem, and that was with Clay Thompson. And so I think – I mean, honestly, he's a dark horse candidate for me for MVP next year. I think if he can elevate this roster – I mean, you had Chris Paul elevating the Oklahoma City Thunder – 
who no one expected to be in the playoffs. I do agree. I do. I think the Warriors are going to be in the playoffs, and I I think Steph is gonna is gonna do some spectacular things next year. Um, honestly, a lot of this for me just rides on is is Steve Kerr going to be able to uh, create some schemes that cater to Steph's playing style, but also like works with the other players and more of their slashing ability and not their shooting ability necessarily. Um, but another big concern I have um, is also they don't have like who else is going to run the offense besides Steph? Cause I know where Steph excels is honestly as a shooting guard, just sprinting around the court for the entire game and catching shoot off screens and things like that. Um, I'm just curious to see who else is going to run that offense. Um, I know Draymond has done that a lot at times. Uh, I'm just curious to see has he has he regressed so much as a player that he's not what he once was because last season was definitely horrific. Uh, if he can kind of go back to being the Draymond we all know him to be, uh, I definitely agree. This team is someone that I mean I wouldn't be surprised at all to be in middle of the pack in the West. I think people are going to sleep on him for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and do my uh, first loser of the NBA draft, um, and that's the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and honestly, for me, it, it comes down to that pick at four. I mean, Patrick Williams picking him at fourth. I, I have no rhyme, no reason, no understanding why that's the choice they went with there. Um, I think picking him that high is so overvalued. I mean, there was significant reports coming out of the New York Knicks trying to trade up early in the draft to get OB Toppin and, you could have easily dropped down to eight and Patrick Williams guarantee would have been available. Uh, he was not someone expected to go until like mid first round at best, maybe, maybe late lottery. But I know in our mock draft, I think we had him going in the late teens, early twenties. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I just, I think picking him that high is just, I don't know. It's mind boggling to me just because there's so many teams that were trying to move up and they easily could have made a trade, brought in some more assets, and still got their guy that they wanted to get. Um, I don't think Patrick Williams by any means is a bad player, but picking him at four, I think he's more of a project player. He's not – I just I just don't – I never saw him as a lottery pick, and so it's just – I don't know. I just think it's a terrible move by them, especially when um, they had uh, Abdia right there to pick him up. I just thought that was odd. There's just other players they could have gone with. I also – I believe I saw the report that they're not going to uh, re-sign Chris Dunn. So they're going to have an open spot of point guard. Like Tyrese Halliburton could have been picked up there, who we can get into in a little bit. But I don't know. I just thought, to me, that pick right there is just – it was the worst pick of the draft. It blew my mind 100%, and it just makes no sense to me why the Bulls would go that route. Although, yes, the optics of that pick are bad, I think knowing the fact that like after the draft um, rumor or like reports that came out that the bulls had been actively trying to trade down um, into like the late lottery um, so that they could still pick their guy, but no teams were trying to make trades. And this was a draft that, you know, the entire lottery didn't have a single trade. And so, you know, knowing that they were at least really trying to trade down, they just couldn't, you know, and then, so then with that, they go out and get their guy because no one else is willing to make that trade. Um, and yes, he is a project player. You know, a lot of people are hating on this pick because he didn't even start in college, which granted, I don't think is as worrisome as you might think because, you know, that Florida State offense 
you know Evan Booker didn't start in college no there's a lot of good players yeah, I agree. uh the that don't start in college. I don't think that should be like the number one thing, but he's also, you know, the youngest um, American born player that was in this draft class um, and has a lot of raw untapped potential. And I don't, I don't know. Like this, this, this pick is bad. I'm, I'm still in agreement. Yeah. Like, like I don't but think I Patrick don't Williams think is a bad player. I just think picking him at fourth, is just the most mind-boggling thing in the world to me. Like, I think they could – my guess is they were asking too much because there were significant reports out there, especially like – I mean, the Knicks is the one team that come, keeps coming to mind for me, but there were teams out there that were heavily reported trying to move up to get certain guys. And, and unless the Bulls were asking for too much, that'd be my guess, and that's why trades didn't happen there. It's just it's, – it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean – you could have gotten you. You literally could have gotten this guy. I mean, at like the 18th pick, there were other small forwards like uh, Aaron Neesmith, Sadiq Bay expected to come off the board well before Patrick Williams, and so it just I don't know. I just just as a value point of what your pick is worth, it, it was just too early in the draft for me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it, as soon as I heard about that pick, it definitely reminded me of last season's Suns Cam Johnson pick out of yeah, note. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, but look at how that's kind of translated. Yes, you know, Cam Johnson's not the best player in that draft class by any means, but he's kind of justified that them picking them there, yeah. Um, at this point, and so you know, only time will tell because the Bulls do do now have a new front office. Um, I can't remember the dude's name, but he came from uh, the Denver Nuggets and has been pretty good in the draft in the past. And so that's another reason why I'm kind of, you know, I'm just going to wait and see with this Patrick Williams pick, you know, how it's going to turn out before I start jumping on the hate train. Um, Because I think he has a good enough um, track record, the GM um, for the Bulls, that in terms of like rebuilding, like, you know, bringing in new young talent that, you know, I'm just going to have to see it first. So I'll go into my first or my second winner of the draft night. And that's going to be the Sacramento Kings. So there's pretty much one key reason why uh, I think the Sacramento Kings won draft night. And that's getting Tyrese Halliburton at 12. Are you kidding me? That's Unbelievable a, value. That's, Unbelievable. That's insane. Steal Talk the about draft. a guy that was projected to go somewhere in the, you know, five to eight realm. Um, and he was still available time after time. I was like, our team, what are teams not seeing in Tyrese Halliburton? Like, the man is a certified bucket getter, a true three and D player, very, very high IQ. Um I don't know, just all these other dudes that were picked before him, which, you know, I'll get into one of those teams for my next loser. Um, but I don't know. It was just very perplexing to me. A lot of teams were going for fit, it seemed like. And then, you know, we saw with the Wizards picking Denny, they were, you know, pretty much just going with best available player on the draft board. Can't blame them for that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, pairing Tyrese Halliburton alongside Darren Fox, why not? You know, he's had Buddy Heald alongside him, an elite three-point shooter that doesn't need the ball all the time. And I know a lot of people are kind of confused about this pick because, you know, they see point guard listed for uh, Tyrese Halliburton, um, you know, for what he played at Iowa State. But 
you know, yes, that's true. But his freshman season, he was not the point guard. He was a shooting guard and was, you know, more reliant on the catch and shoot and, you know, creating offense, you know, through his through his movement. And I think that's a lot of what the the Kings were seeing and what we can expect for them to kind of scheme around those two young players uh, to kind of try to unlock the next level for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Tyrese Halliburton, without a doubt, was the steal of draft night, without a doubt in my mind. I mean, incredible value. I, I had him going either potentially the Bulls, Hawks, things like that. I mean, he was a top five talent. It was consensus top five talent where he'd fall maybe just outside of that just because Cavaliers weren't necessarily looking for a point guard at five. But, I mean, I, I cannot believe he dropped down to 12. Um, incredible value for the Kings at that pick. Um, definitely someone I plan on buying in the sports card market. Uh, sort of getting to that a little bit. But he's definitely someone I plan on buying. I think uh, he's – going to be an excellent player in the NBA and um, especially with talks of them moving away from Buddy Heald and potentially trading him. Um, I know talks have been coming out with him maybe going to the Nuggets. I think Tyrese Halliburton's going to definitely get some active playing time learning from De'Aaron Fox out there in Sacramento. He's going to be a great player in the NBA for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hear your last uh, winner and then let's talk about a couple honorable mentions. All right, so my, my last winner is the Washington Wizards. Yeah. And the uh, I just thought in general, I mean, they had a fantastic draft. Um, so they, they got two picks. I think getting Denny Abdia at nine was incredible value. Um, I think in our draft, we had him going at four to the Bulls. Uh, the fact that he slipped to nine, um, I know a lot of times throughout the night, ESPN, uh, Mike Schmitz had said that, uh, in his opinion, like LaMelo Ball is the best player in the draft. And right behind him was Denny Abdia. And because they were, I mean, LaMelo is not an international prospect, but he played internationally that because a lot of people didn't see them play as many games, that's probably why they weren't these consensus like top picks. Um, I, I think he's incredible value at nine. I love the pickup for the Wizards, which I can't believe for once in my life, I'm saying the Washington Wizards are a winner of anything, but incredible. And then also getting Cassius Winston at the 53rd pick out there in the second round. I mean, immense value i'm surprised he wasn't picked up at the end of the first um or early second i mean he he's someone in my opinion that's going to be an outstanding uh bench point guard in the nba really be able to run an offense sort of a a, a very much more bench version of rondo um, but he's a bet, way better shooter than rondo is i think he's just going to do a, he's going to be a fabulous point guard in the nba for a long time i just i love the picks they made in the draft those two picks were just outstanding in my opinion and he, uh, Cassius Winston's another player that um, can be going into the headband game yes. in, uh, in Washington because obviously we've seen that from Brad Beal. So, yep. um, and that's another little trademark of uh, Cassius Winston. So, you know, seeing some headbands on the court might be yes, some yes, good yes. For, for the morale. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, the whole Denny Abdia pick, I, I agree with you. I think. Outside of Tyrese Halliburton, that's the best steal of the draft night. Yep. And, you know, between those two, we're just going to have to wait and see um, which one ended up becoming the better steal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Denny's a guy that can play one through four um, and has played one through four at Tel Aviv. And, you know, is very he's, 
he's a lot more seasoned than a lot of these guys coming in. Um, you know, he started he started playing international pro ball at the age of 16. He's one of the youngest players in the Israeli Israeli league, mm-hmm. um, and can kind of win games for the team in any sort of respect. Like he he has a full package of skill set or a full yeah a full pack. That just sounds weird. I I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Um, he's a repertoire. He has he has a nice repertoire, for yeah. sure. But um, I don't know. I I definitely think I definitely think uh, the Wizards had a nice little draft night, hundred percent. So, who is your first honorable mention as a winner? My first honorable mention of the winner is the Denver Nuggets being okay. able to trade in um with the bucks at 24 and snag rj hampton there that just i mean the nuggets are a team that loves to just load up on potential talent guys that you know were very highly ranked um you know before you know their last season and then you know they kind of slip for one reason or another whether it's injury or just you know not a lot of you know notoriety or whatnot but you know (laughs) <laughs> the Nuggets did the exact same thing, took R.J. Hampton here, which R.J. Hampton to me has one of the highest ceilings in this draft class, one of the most athletic, explosive players. Um, and I don't know. He was another guy that I was very surprised was falling and falling and falling. And so I'm going to reward uh, the Nuggets for, you know, finally keying in and taking him. That just seems so Nuggets. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I was – I definitely agree with you. I was genuinely surprised – to see RJ Hampton get picked where he was. And I mean, the Nuggets are just setting themselves up for the future. I mean, they've got the team now that can compete for a chip at the same time. I and mean, they got Michael Porter Jr. They've got Bull Bull. I mean, Jamal Murray's young, Nikola Jokic is young. And then you just toss in RJ Hampton as a growing sort of project player. But I mean, he's somewhere in the league that can be that, that oversized point guard, which is kind of where the NBA is moving to these larger point guards that can do so much more. Um, I definitely agree. I mean, great value at that pick. I, I love that pick up there. Um, so I, I have two honorable mentions for winners. Um, the first one I, I kind of want to do the other, and I, I'm going to keep them both relatively sure. I don't know if you have more honorable mentions as winners too, but um, so the first one I have is the Orlando magic. I think getting Cole okay. Anthony at 15. I mean, I, I thought that was really good value. Um, I, I think Cole Anthony is going to really surprise a lot of people next season. Um, I just think he had a tough year riddled with injuries. North Carolina, just in general, wasn't a, didn't have a good roster. I, I think he's going to be a great NBA player. I think he's going to surprise a ton of people next year. And also, uh, I mean, there's been – I'm fairly certain Evan Fournier is potentially getting traded out of there. I know there's been a lot of talks about that because he wants to go to a contender, which is only going to give Cole Anthony even more – uh, playing time and, and ability and options to grow as a player. Also, there's been talks of moving Aaron Gordon out of there. So I just think if those trades or at least one of them occurs, it's just going to allow him to grow as a player um, and just really become an established point guard in the league. Um, and then the other team I wanted to talk about um, is the Boston Celtics. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people have been heavily talking about how they need to go and get a center. Um, that's where they're failing. That's why they lost. I kind of disagree. I think their biggest issue with last year is just, they didn't, they don't have their hierarchy, which we've kind of talked about on here before on the podcast. 
Um, and I mean, Gordon Hayward did decline his player option. It's more likely than not, he will not be returning to Boston next year, which I think will help because it's going to help allow no more have a big three instead of that big four. I think it's going to help him out a lot. But I think Daniel Tice, Robert Williams, Ennis Kander, who just picked up his $5 million player option, I think those three are plenty serviceable. I think they do, um, they, they'll do a good job, and I think they're fine. I, I have no worries there. Um, but picking up uh, Aaron Neesmith, just an absolute sniper. I, I like that pick. Um, Peyton Pritchard, late first round. I mean, he's someone that could develop into be a great point, uh, bench point guard in the NBA. I think he's going to be someone who in the next couple of seasons sort of mold into that role that Brad Wanamaker currently is in for the Celtics. Um, I just, I really like those two picks. Um, I think those are guys in the future that are going to help out uh, the Boston Celtics. And so that was another reason they're a little bit of a, a winner for me in the draft. Yeah, the only reason I don't have them as one of my honorable mentions is because at that 26 pick where they took Peyton Pritchard, I think they should have gone with Tyrell Terry there to be that kind of go-to bench scorer mm-hmm. and guy to run the offense off the bench. But, you know, that's just apples and oranges. So, you know, they, they picked their guy. You know, they, they've had a lot of success through the draft, so maybe I'm wrong. But um, I don't know. I definitely would have liked to see Tyrell Terry go there um, for them. Yeah, no. And uh, I mean, I guess we'll, we're going to see over the next few seasons, um, kind of just see how those players sort of mold in those systems. Um, do you want to go ahead and give us your last loser of the draft? So my last loser of the draft is the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. And this is specific to their um, number 10 pick, um, drafting Jalen Smith here. And this is kind of what you were talking about with the Bulls. You know, you can get a lot more value um by picking him a little bit later in the draft but also the fact that Tyrese Halliburton was slipping Devin Vassell was slipping a little bit and you go after a center here as soon as I heard that they drafted Jalen Smith I was absolutely perplexed I was you know they have the their center of the future in DeAndre Ayton assuming he can you know stay out of uh you know drug problems or whatever he's been kind of peds and all these other issues that are keeping him off the court over these past seasons you know he's he's their one of their cornerstone players so i don't know why they felt the need to get like a a bench center that can stretch the floor i don't really see him getting starting minutes and so with that being said they had plenty of decent wing options they had aaron nesmith available um you know they had uh devin vassell available you know, there's not a huge need for them to get Tyrese Halliburton or Kyra Lewis since they just brought in Chris Paul. Um, but at the same time, you know, why not have kind of a safety insurance for if an old Chris Paul isn't performing well or gets injured? Um, I, it was just a very puzzling pick to me. And so that's that's why they're my other loser of the draft night. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. It's just it's so odd to be picking Jalen Smith there at 10 when there's so many other options and players available. Um, and it all comes down to a value standpoint. I mean, even if Jalen Smith is like your guy and you're like, you think he's one of the best players in the draft, you need to also factor in like, where can we still get our guy and have it be a valuable pick? If we can move down in the draft and get assets and still get our guy, why would we not do that? Um, so yeah, I agree. I just, I mean, after after making a mon- monumental trade to get Chris Paul and people were like, wow, like the Suns might be making the playoffs next year, like watch out for them. And then they make this pick. It's just 
it makes me very concerned if I was a Phoenix Suns player about what the future is with this GM and what sort of other moves he may make going into the future, any potential trades. I mean, just a very, very odd pick for sure. Yeah. I mean, think about if they would have picked Aaron Nesmith here, you know, a wing that is a shoot. Well, in, in his uh, Vanderbilt stretches shot 50% from three, Yep. you put that alongside Devin Booker um, for additional spacing and then you have DeAndre Aiden down low. Chris Paul, Chris Paul is going to be an absolute monster and have so many options. To, yep. you know, I don't know. That, that just – it just – a very puzzling pick for Jalen Smith here. Um, and it definitely gives me pause on kind of the direction of the Suns going forward. Completely agree. Uh, so I'm going to do my last loser of the 2020 NBA draft. And without fail, it is – you guessed it the new york knicks oh we guessed it <laughs> i mean a lot of people are high on ob Toppin. they think he's i mean he's box office he was the naismith player of the year and i understand that and he was their guy there were significant talks about them moving up into the draft trying trading up so they could get ob Toppin because that's who they wanted how many forwards can the new york knicks have on their roster. I just don't get it. You needed a point guard. Tyrese Halliburton was available for you at eight. He fell down to you. He was in your lap. And you went with Obi Toppin, who we are both agreed and that we're not high on him. I just, it's, that pick was just so puzzling to me. Um, They did have the 25th pick and they got Emmanuel quickly, which I don't think is a, a terrible pick. I mean, he's a shooter, helped stretch the floor a little bit. But that OB Toppin pick blew my mind. Um, to me, they are a massive draft night loser. However, one thing I do want to add on is they have made a lot of other moves outside of that in regards to dropping all their player options for the terrible contracts they signed with players uh, when they didn't get KD, Kyrie, and Zion. Uh Smart move by them because I think they're up to $40 million in free cap space now. Uh, they, I know they made a couple other moves to get some future picks. I do think they've done um, a better job and made some smarter moves in that sense. But, I mean, the Obi Toppin pick just blew my mind. I don't understand why when your point guard was your biggest need in this draft, you had the second-best point guard behind Lamelo and Tyrese Halliburton fell down to you and you decided not to pick them. I don't get it. I don't get it. I think it might be because they're just going to pay Fred Van Fleet that bag. Which, in my opinion, is absolutely ridiculous. We're I talking about draft night loser that doesn't know how to run an organization. So, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one thing. You know what? We're going to get into it. There's been talks and reports of the New York Knicks paying Fred Van Vliet upwards of like 20 four million dollars in one year 24 million a year are you kidding me classic knicks classic knicks classic i don't get it knicks. i don't get it classic i just i don't know i don't know what your thoughts are on that i mean i know you also aren't high on ob Toppin, but i just I, I don't understand it i just i don't get it i don't get it terrible in my opinion it's a terrible pick there i mean i will say like i don't think it was a surprising pick I would agree. I would agree. It wasn't surprising. I just think it was a bad move. Yes, agreed. But like, so on draft night, 
um, I was studying and so I uh, wasn't able to watch the draft live, but I was getting updates from one of my friends and I, I was um, guessing who was, you know, getting picked um, at the next available spot once the next pick would come in. And I kept saying out loud, like, this team's not stupid enough to pick Obi Toppin. This team's not stupid enough to pick Obi Toppin. Once it got to the Knicks, I said, they took Obi this Toppin. This stupid yeah. enough to pick up so Obi Toppin. Their organization is absolutely a train wreck, and I don't think that's changing anytime soon. Yep. Yeah. Do you have any honorable mention losers? Ooh, honorable mention losers. I'll say the Hawks. Um, and the fact that I don't – I think Onyeko Kongwu is a very good player. Um, my only concern is why did they not go for, like, Tyrese Albert? I guess a lot of our losers are just like, you should have taken Tyrese Albert. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it made too much sense. They need someone that they that can, you know – you know, have some more defense. Uh, they needed a defensive guard alongside um, Trey Young. They, they yeah, just, I agree. And Tyrese Halliburton is that guy, and it can also knock down shots. Like, what, that does it just make too much sense for them? Um, well, and they also like just traded for Clint Capella. Like, yeah. I like Onyeka and Kongu as a player. I think he's going to be a great defender and rim protector. But, I mean, him alongside John Collins and Clint Capella is on your roster – I do agree is a bit of a perplexing pick for me. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like there's a lot going to be a lot of opportunity for him to get on the floor um, his rookie season, which this is a, this is a young Hawks team that should be trying to give as many minutes to all the young guys, try to continue to let them develop, get real game time minutes. And I just, I don't know. I don't see it happening as much as I think a loser of the draft night is on Yeko Kongu because he gone, he could have gone to a lot of these teams and, you know, been getting minutes every single night, um, you know, potential starter and potentially win rookie of the year. But then he goes to a situation like the Hawks that already has John Collins, already has Clint Capella, and he's probably not going to be able to find his way onto the court a whole lot. And so, I don't know. It's just sad to me because Onyeko Kongwu's a guy that I really like. He was dripped out on draft night. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So, I don't have any – honorable mention losers I want to bring up, but I do have um, a couple picks that I'd like to hear your thoughts on. Okay. So the first one is Kyra Lewis Jr. going to the Pelicans at 13. Um, I'm curious to hear, I, I, I think in my opinion, a little bit overvalued, but I don't think it's anything crazy at pick 13, but I am curious to kind of hear what your thoughts are. Why do you think the Pelicans might've picked him there? And what do you think their plans are? And like, I don't know, just in general, why would they pick him? So in my opinion, Kyra Lewis is one of the top point guards in this draft. I know that's not an extremely high take, but for me, it kind of goes, and I don't, I don't know, granted, where to put LaMelo in my rankings, just because yeah. he could be number one, he could be number 30. Um, but I kind of have like Killing Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton, maybe Cole Anthony and then Kyra Lewis right there. And so like, I don't know, for me, like Lonzo ball, I think they're making this pick because they might be looking to trade Lonzo ball is kind of my initial in instincts whenever I saw this. Um, but I don't know. I don't hate this pick honestly, because Kyra Lewis is a guy that can bring a lot of slashing um, and like, 
I don't know, explosive energy off the bench, which, you know, Lamella or Lonzo, sorry, it's hardened with two balls in the league now. Alonzo uh, is a guy that kind of, yes, he has the elite dimes across the court, um, you know, in transition and whatnot, but he's also like, whenever he's, he's doing the half court set, he definitely slows down the pace a lot more um, than a guard, in my opinion, for New Orleans should. I think kind of similar to what we saw from the Kings two seasons ago, this Pelicans team needs to be a high octane up and down the court um, at lightning speed. And I think potentially that's why they're bringing um, Kyra Lewis and just to potentially try that out during practice. You know, he's a guy that can facilitate that type of offense as opposed to Lonzo. And so maybe they're just trying to work on some different schemes to try to unlock some more potential from Zion and, you know, some of their young players. And I think he's a guy that can at least give them other options. Yeah. So at first I didn't like it. When I saw the pick, I was like, wow, like why? Um, I was like, I mean, you still have Aaron Neesmith on the board. You have Cole Anthony. I think both, either one of those two, I think would have made initially made more sense. I mean, uh, Lonzo is a great facilitator and defender. You bring in Cole Anthony as your secondary guard. Um, and now you have another scoring option alongside Brandon Ingram and Zion. Um, Aaron Neesmith really helps stretch the floor for your team. Just an absolute sniper. And so I didn't like it at first, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, let's, let's think about this. I mean, he, Kyra Lewis Jr. is the fastest player in the draft. Um, he's an absolute lightning bolt across the court and as you noted that's how the pelicans play i mean they're a let's get out and transition and push the pace as much as possible and lonzo does that a lot and zion does that a lot and then you have bi to sort of be that scorer in the half court setting and so i think bringing on a secondary sort of pusher the pace is really going to be a big deal for them um i think it's going to help loosen the load a lot on lonzo um, personally, I don't think they're going to trade Lonzo Ball. I think they're going to try and make it work with both them two playing alongside one another, especially because they did trade Drew Holiday. So they ha- they were sort of looking for that secondary guard option. Um, but I do like it. I do think um, it's sort of the one person that doesn't help is Nikhil Alexander-Walker because he ain't playing anymore now. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be someone else that helps – uh, I, I think it was a pick to sort of solidify the identity of that team. And that's just a, let's push it and run it. And so I, I, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know what, let me see what the kids got and let me see them in on the NBA court playing, because I, I do think it's going to end up being a nice pick for them. I think he's going to really fit into their system really well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on a, a specific pick to me. Um, and that's 27 the Jazz select Yudoka Azubuki. So I, I know it's your guy. Okay. Well, also, like, I don't think there was a single mock draft that ever had him going in the first round. And yet here we are. And we were talking second round sleepers. I was seeing him like on the big board of a lot of these um, like online sites, big boards, like him in the like late 50s, early 60s. And then the Jazz said what I was saying. And they, they, they heard what I was saying, and so they picked him. They said, All right, if Davis believes in him, we'll believe in him. And so I think that's pretty cool. Shout out to uh, the Utah Jazz for listening to this podcast. 
Yeah, we really appreciate you guys uh, taking uh, some draft advice from us for sure. Um, but to get into it, I don't absolutely hate it. Um, as we've talked about, I mean, he he's just – he's a bruiser, and that's his role. He's going to be a guy that – I mean, in the league, I, I kind of see him as uh, not not a sort, a sort of a, a worse version of Steven Adams, a, just a, a bruiser. And that's what you know him for. He's, he's setting monster screens for your team. He's dunking the ball, and that's about it. And that's not a bad thing in the NBA. Um I'm curious to see how he can develop under Rudy Gobert. Um, can he sort of become a defensive player of the year type of talent behind him? Time will tell. Um, he is a big boy. Uh, curious to see if he can sort of develop the lateral quickness and foot speed that Rudy Gobert has um, to stick with players that are a bit undersized compared to him. Um, I don't hate it. I really don't. I, I think – I mean, there's other centers after him that it kind of just depends on what the Jazz are looking for. I mean, Vernon Carey was still on the board. He got picked in the second round. Um, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I mean, I, I don't have, I don't, I don't think it's crazy good or crazy bad. I, I, I think I'm okay with it. Um, I am curious to see how he will develop in that in that system out there in Utah. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, sorry, you cut out there for a second, so I thought you were done speaking. But um, so I don't know. I like Yudoka Azubuki, but I'm actually not a fan of this pick. And I think that's a large part of, you know, a large reason behind that being that Rudy Gobert is already there and he's not stretching the floor at all. And, you know, so therefore you're not going to bring in Yudoka Azubuki play him at the four or something and also have him on the court. And so like, for me, like why would the jazz not go over go for someone like Desmond Bain or Tyrell Terry that was available there. They could kind of play alongside um, Donovan Mitchell and kind of slot him in for the next Joe Ingles, like Joe Ingles. Yes, he's okay. But I think if you're looking for a spot that you could really be improving your team instantly, it'd be getting another wing scorer um that can kind of take over joe ingles spot like yeah i don't know like I, again like joe ingles i don't know if i've ever said it on this uh this specific podcast but joe ingles is that like dad that's at the gym he's that gym rat all the time and you know whatever you're playing pickup games he's he might be one of the last picks that but then once he comes onto the court you're like yeah he's it's kind of nice, like kind of tearing it up out here. And uh, Joe Eagles is just the NBA's version of that. He doesn't look like he would, uh, you know, be tearing it up on the draft or on drop the, thirty on your head. Yeah, but you know, he's kind of a bucket getter. But you know, Yudoka Azubuki get picking him here. Um, I don't know. I'm not in love with it, but I I think the Utah Jazz are most likely doing it for the fact that you know Rudy Gobert might not be there forever. And so they're kind of looking for who can be the next center um, that can kind of play into our specific um, offensive schemes very well. And I, I do think that Yudoka Azubuki can kind of fit that specific mold because he, similarly to Rudy, he's not going to be stretching the floor, knocking down threes. Um, and he's very defensive minded as well. And so I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just trying to find a similar player that can kind of develop into that next Rudy Gobert. Uh, for once they kind of get 
feel like they have got as much as they can get out of uh, Rudy Gobert and decide to move on from him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have uh, two questions I want to ask you uh, before we wrap up the episode. So the first one is, is there any – who – after we – now we know, like, what players are going to what teams. Who is your dark horse candidate to win rookie of the year? Dark horse. Um, give me a second. I'm doing a lot of mental calculations in my head right now. Is it Alexi Pokusevsky? <laughs> it is not Alexis Pokusevsky. <laughs> Um, I actually might go Tyrese Halliburton for a dark uh, rookie of the year. I think he's going to be getting a lot of minutes. Um, The Kings offense is a, is an offense that kind of, you know, kind of can unlock that next part in his game. And I think, you know, the absence of Buddy Heald, assuming the Buddy Heald will be gone in um, that backcourt is going to play well and get Tyrese Halliburton to be playing you know, starter minutes. He's going to be out there a lot. Um, and, you know, my front runner pick that I called on the last episode, uh, Obi Toppin, I mean, he's going to be getting minutes as well. He's going to be out there, you know, primary option for that team one way or the other, whether you like it or not. And uh, so I think both of those picks are still very relevant. Yeah, so for me, uh, I I have to go with Cole Anthony. I just think he's going to get significant playing time out in Orlando. Uh, and I mean, I, I mean, I I think the dude's going to average upper teens in points. I mean, I really do. I'm really high on Cole Anthony. I really think he's going to light it up in the NBA. I mean, every year in the draft, there's always that person that's late lottery right outside of it that sort of becomes one of the better players in that draft. I mean, it's consistent. And I think he's going to be that guy. I really do. I think he's going to really surprise a lot of people. Um, And I think he's going to be fantastic out in Orlando. Um, And then, so yeah, the last question I wanted to ask you, I know it doesn't have a lot to do with the draft, um, but just because there's been so many crazy big time trades going on and we got Chris Paul going to Phoenix Drew Holiday going to Milwaukee um Dennis Schroeder to LA out of all the trades that have happened so far which one are you the most happy about I mean which one are you like that is the best trade so I think a trade that not a lot of people are talking about that I think is highly impactful is actually Robert Covington going to the Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 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 Trailblazers are a team that we've talked about doesn't have any uh, you know wing defense, and their defense has been like one of their biggest question marks this entire year, um, and has been one of their the reasons why they're not able to make deep runs into the playoffs. And so you know you bring in a guy like um, Robert Covington that's probably one of the best true three and D players and, you know, is that specialist, I think they are instantly, you know, in my eyes, they are now a title contender. And I know that's ridiculous to say, but I really think that much of Robert Covington going into that specific system. And cause I mean, if you think about their uh, starting lineup, it'll be CJ, uh, Damian Lillard, um, Robert Covington, um, Yusuf Nurkic, and then maybe, 
whom who am I leaving off right there? Um, well, I mean Zach Collins. Well, you also have Zach Collins, um, Troy or Gary Trent coming off the bench. Like mm-hmm. they have they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of veterans, and now they have that defense to g- complement their scoring options from the backcourt. And we're gonna get a full season of healthy Nurkic, hopefully. Like I, I think they're my dark one of my dark horse teams to potentially be vying for the championship next season. Yeah, so I think without a doubt, it has to be the Dennis Schroeder trade in the fact of what the Lakers had to give up. No, so th- I mean, they gave up Danny Green, um, a first round pick. And that might have been it. I think it was, yeah. I think that's it. And that first round pick was um, hold on, I had it up right here. Um, I think it was Jalen Smith. No, not Jalen Smith. Jaden McDaniels? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Hold on. I have it up right here. It is uh yeah, Jalen or Jaden McDaniels, yes. So they go da- Danny Green and Jaden McDaniels to get Dennis Schroeder, who should have won sixth man of the year last season. Uh absolute steal in my opinion. And I'm gonna look directly in the camera when I say this. Sam Presti. If you're doing this to make your picks more valuable from the Los Angeles Clippers, I love it. You're playing Damn. 3D chess and everyone else is playing checkers, and I am here for it. I love it. I was I was about to say, move. yeah, no, I was about to say the exact same thing because I think that's like I think that's honestly a very realistic. That's some scenario. next level stuff right there by GM. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you have a one metric ton of draft picks from the Clippers, right? And you know that uh, Paul George and Kawhi are both um, unrestricted free agents. Yep. Or wait. They're, yeah, they're they, unrestricted they both, free agents after next season. Yeah, after next season. And so the quicker they're able to get those guys to leave out the Clippers, those those picks become instantly more valuable because they're yep. not getting anything in return for those players. And it's it's just easy easy dealing after that. Yeah, so, they were I mean, able to – Dennis Schroeder doesn't fit their timeline. They are able to flip Danny Green for more picks, and they have to take on Al Horford's contract, which to them is perfectly okay right now because they're getting all these picks in return. And in a couple of years after Al Horford's contract's up, they don't have to re-sign him. I also so, love how the Thunder have been, like, trading uh, – like, okay, so they traded – Chris Paul, and they got some players in return and some picks, and then, and then they trade those up for picks, four picks, and then yeah. like I don't know, I just think it's very funny because like it seems they have like, like eighteen that... first round picks over the next six years, eighteen, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. psychotic. They're, they they might make their team. The Thunder might be. We might be talking about the Thunder, eight years, five, not, maybe not even eight. We might be talking about the Thunder in like three or four years. Just like we were talking about the Celtics of, wow, they're a title contender and they still have first round picks. That's going to be thunder, but it's literally going to be next level. Like they're going to have, their team is going to be so good because they have, they're going to get all these picks from bad teams. And if those picks just like hit in the lottery, I mean, it's, it's nuts. It is going to be absolutely nuts. And so I don't know. I, I do think, just to touch back on the Lakers though, I do think the Lakers need to make another a move or something. I'd really like to see them pick up another piece, especially with um, the Bucks definitely making really big moves on their roster. Um, someone I'd love for them to go get, especially because that team is sort of blown up at this point. 
Um, and there's been talks about the, them moving away from P.J. Tucker. I would love to see maybe Kyle Kuzma and something for P.J. Tucker. I don't know. Apparently, there's been reports that a lot of teams are high on Kuzma around the league. Uh, personally, I'm not. Uh, I don't know. I think the Lakers should try and go get uh, another option, maybe a defensive-minded player that doesn't necessarily need the ball. Very 3 and D. I do think P.J. Tucker would be – awesome in the Lakers system I think it can just be an incredible defender for them and just shoot the corner three sit in the corner uh I'd like to see that a lot I really would but I do think they need to make another move I really do yeah no I agree so all right well that wraps up our winners and losers special of the 2020 NBA draft this is the junkie sports media podcast peace peace Thank you.